So the re- the reason we're here originally was I begged Mark to do a podcast with me for about I'd say a l- little over a year, and initially my thing was like let's do a Pixar podcast, and he was like no, no thanks, I'm good. Then I don't remember what made you come back around on the idea, but you were like you know actually compared to all your other ideas, Danny, the Pixar one seems like best. Uh, well, I'll tell you what it was. It was, I heard the episode of Why Is, where you talk about um, Men in Black 3. Mm. I think I mentioned this when I was on for the Turning Red episode, but your takes about star power and like what the film meant in Will Smith's career were really interesting to me, and that is a thing that I do not usually think about when I'm thinking about movies, so... I was like, even though I'm not the world's biggest Pixar fan, hearing you talk about Pixar, that's that's why I wanted to do it, to hear you talk about Pixar, because I think your takes are going to be much more interesting than mine, and I'm going to be coming in as a little more of an outsider. That's what brought me back, was I was like, oh, I, I don't usually think about films that way. I'm Mark Young, I'm an actor in New York, and I went to film school and then I switched to a theater major, so I have a theater degree. Yeah, and uh, I'm Danny Vincent. I live in Chicago. I also went to college with Mark, and we all uh, same thing as him. I got my theater degree. No, I got my film degree, and then I went to theater. And yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I prefer the theater stuff. I'm not saying I think what we my both job. have degrees in film, don't we? Yeah, we all have. I was saying we all have degrees in film and theater, right? Oh, wait, yeah. you don't have a degree in film. I have a degree in film. Oh, Wait, nice. did you so double major? Because I actually have a I minor in film. Oh, no, I okay. majored. I'm better than so you. So Danny, Danny uh, <laughs> is actually credentialed, and yes, I am... Danny, Danny, if he wants to go to grad school to become a cinema professor, could very well do it. Does mm-hmm. he want to? Big question. Uh, not Indeed. Uh, anyway, I live in Chicago. Uh, I'm a writer. I have two other podcasts, uh, which you might have come from. One of them is Wise with Ty and Dan, which is an MCU podcast. And then the other one is The Snub Club, which is a cinema history podcast. You and I, I think we, just just to tie everything together, I think we met in a screenwriting class. And that's our connection besides just going to film school together. I'm pretty sure. I feel like the evident thing to me is that we both really come from a writing background. Uh, mm-hmm. Where we are going to still be able to talk about the technical aspects of these films. Uh but more likely, I'm going to be more interested into, uh, like, the themes and, like, how Pixar movies are, like, so excellently executed. Why we titled the, our podcast what it is. And that's, yes. uh, if Mark wants to be fancy and edit this in, he can edit in the audio clip from Soul, but he doesn't have to. I can also just read the line from Soul. We could get struck. No. <laughs> Do you really think Disney's going to care about us? Cut to, we're immediately taken down. Dream big. Uh, dream big, dream little. I should have loaded this quote up before. Dang it. You know, when you search <laughs> soul quotes on, it's all it's all like, a beautiful soul doesn't need any merit. I don't know. It has no merit other than its existence. And it's like, what? R.I.P. the title of soul. Yeah. Like, come on. We want, uh, so there's this quote at the end of the second act of soul where Angela Bassett's character, I don't remember the character name. I've actually only seen soul once. Uh, Says, I heard, heard this story about a fish. He swims up to this older fish and says, trying to find this thing they call the ocean. The ocean, says the older fish, that's what you're in right now. This, says the younger fish, 
This is water. What I want is the ocean. And so, kind of, to me, the point of this podcast was, um, I've always really been obsessed with Pixar movies. I think Pixar is what got me into movies in the first place. The first movie I remember seeing in theaters, well, okay, the first movie I really remember being excited to see in theaters, because I saw Tarzan in theaters, but Toy Story 2 was the big one, because I was obsessed with Buzz Lightyear as a kid. The first thing I bought as a kid was the Buzz Lightyear of Star Command uh, VHS tape of that movie they made that was just a pilot for the TV show, which we won't be covering on this podcast. We'll get into the rules of our podcast, too, after mm. I explain this. Uh, and then, you know, I just, when I was in fourth grade, I did a big book. I did a huge report on Pixar. Uh, and I just, I went on my 12th birthday party to Ratatouille. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you think, oh, you might grow out of it. But no, uh, Mark can tell you firsthand, I saw Coco, I believe, seven times when we were in college, in theaters. And Incredibles 2, honestly, maybe maybe like six or five times, which is a lot considering that I, I love Coco, and I think Incredibles 2 is good, not great. Listeners of my other podcast, which Tyler, uh, not Tyler, which Mark referred to, Why Is With Ty and Dan, I didn't say whatever podcast mm-hmm. I was on yet. Uh, I'm also on the Snub Club, but Why Is With Ty and hey, Dan. Snub Club. Yeah. I have famously seen these last three Pixar movies in theaters, either by renting a theater for Soul and seeing it a few months after it came out on Disney+, Plus, or in the case of Luca and Turning Red, I flew out to Los Angeles to see it at Disney's theaters there. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing one in a couple weeks, not in uh, not having to travel on far to see it, just seeing it at my local theater, but safe to say, I've always really liked Pixar. But there have been moments throughout the history where I've wondered why. Whether it's something lesser like seeing uh, Cars 3 uh, and being like, why, why am I still seeing these movies opening night? Or something a bit more serious when the John Lasseter case came out. And I was like, is he the only reason I like this company? Is all the things I like come to this monster? Uh, so mm-hmm. kind of the point of this podcast at least to me, and this will be more when we start hitting the movies, uh, will be tracing what my lo- my where I was at that point in my life when I saw this movie initially and really loved it and trying to reassess it to today. Which means, of course, with some stuff, um, like, for example, like Wally. I saw Wally last year for the first time in about eight years. Um, and mm-hmm. in that case, I'm going to be probably be like, the last time I saw this was during the pandemic, but before then, I remember as a kid singing blah, blah, blah. But then there's also stuff like Ratatouille, which I haven't seen probably since 2009. I don't know. It's going to be an interesting journey. And the uh, I never got back to why we have the title being the way it is. And it's that that quote, you know, is about looking for something bigger, a bigger meaning in this all. Uh, and is there a bigger meaning in my love of Pixar? I'm not sure. I'm going to be looking for it, and I'm going to be talking about these movies with Mark, and these shorts with Mark, and I'm looking forward to tracing the development of Pixar, because my hot take, which I've dropped on why is, is that I think Pixar is really hasn't lost it too much. They had a rough spot, but I think back na- right now, they seem to be back to where they used to be, which is pretty exciting. So, I think for me, Pixar seems kind of like an ideal studio 
right now in a way like everything they make is very it, it's sort of the best example of like formulaic movie making everything they do is very heartfelt and successful but it's kind of like this is the procedure we follow whenever we're making something so it's yeah sorry go oh, on what, no what no you, you go no you go on go on I've already, I just no. said a long rant. <laughs> no, 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 you're fine. I okay. was trying to follow up your long rant with my own perspective because, okay. like, that is what you're saying. Is um, That's all the stuff that makes me excited to hear about you. I'm coming into this from a perspective of Pixar is a studio, and they make very successful, well-crafted movies, and I think they are all fine. They are a little like they're just very good i'm i think i'm i'm a little more drawn to things which have rough edges and pixar really does not um i think even in, in a Spoken way that, like, like someone who's never seen cars 2 sorry I have, ne- I have never seen cars 2 so this will, this will be an an interesting thing for me too but i think even like um, like thinking back, I think that like animated Disney films from like the '90s have a specificity that Pixar movies don't have. I'm not really sure what I mean by that. That's that is the vibe that I get. Is I, like animated, like 2D animated Disney movies seem like little colors in this stained glass window, and every Pixar movie seems like the full window. If that makes sense, I can see that. Um, I think it's interesting. You, um, to me, uh, I've told, uh, well, there's another podcast that I've guested on, uh, called Committed Critics, who I assume mm-hmm. will talk about us at some point because they generally are pretty cool about doing cross promo. So with that, I would like to point out that, uh, my thing I've pitched to go on their podcast when they were doing a sub series about cinema, which ultimately we didn't do. Uh, for a variety of reasons, was I think that Pixar is the only animation studio where you can prescribe the auteur theory to it. Uh, and I think that's really interesting. If you look at their early... Not not like their current stuff, because their current stuff is all by, like, new... Like, Turning Red and Luke are by new people, so you can't really say there's any auteurship to it. But if you look at mm-hmm. Pete Doctor's films, and you look at Andrew Stanton's films, you look at Brad Bird's films, they're all made by clearly different people. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's an interesting way. I'm not going to probably push that that hard on this because I don't think, personally, I think talking about auteur theory is kind of regardless. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. But I wouldn't mind getting into that a bit when you say like, because the thing to me is also, I remember reading once, there was a point I read, I think it was when Encanto came out and someone made a ridiculous thing where it's like, what did you like more, Coco or Encanto? And I'm like, I don't really see much similar here other than they're both about families who speak Spanish, but whatever. But someone was like, mm-hmm. Coco is essentially Pixar's formula perfected. And since then, they've been trying to go off formula and discover something new. And I think that's a good way to assess the recent stuff too. I do think the Pixar brand, at least among people like us who grew up with it and are really into cinema, did take a big hit with the Lasseter case. Because John mm-hmm. Lasseter was always viewed as, oh, he's like the new Walt Disney. He's great. Like, he's the person shepherding both Disney and Pixar to these new creative heights. And mm-hmm. he's fantastic. And it's like, no, actually, he's a 
Chalperson, who uh, committed several incidents of sexual harassment. Uh, But he also still made all those movies he loved as a kid. So it's an interesting thing also to reconcile that. Uh, And then, of course, with Soul, Luca, and Turning Red being the beginning of the new non-Lasseter era. And being, what does this mean for the future? That's another thing, too, where I like us doing this podcast. Because we are very much on a turning point for the company. Where not only is we have an entirely new head of the company for the first time ever. We also have, of course, a new head of Disney with Bob Chapek. And we have Mm -hmm. the pivot to streaming. Which, although right now these movies were intended for theaters. By the time we catch up with Turning Red, the first Pixar TV show will be out. Like a TV show that they are working on as a whole and we'll cover that not mm-hmm. weekly we'll cover that as one concise season one episode but i think it's really interesting i think the the studio has gone through a lot of interesting turning points but also i do want this to be a very personal podcast in a sense my other two are not and really mm-hmm. assess like not i don't want to be like my personal development but like as a generation, I think that would be good. Yeah. Well, we, we, we will talk about me, <laughs> but mm-hmm. as a generation, like, what does it mean that this came out at this point in time? Stuff like that. We will have guests on the show. We uh, will. I would like to have someone in computer computer animation to kind of talk through the technical parts of some of this. Especially, I don't know if we'll get them in time, but I would love to have someone talk about how groundbreaking some of these early shorts are, and how much time it takes to make these things, even though they're so short. Like, I would love yeah. to hear about computing power and numbers and stuff like that, so we'll get some of that on. I would love, you know, we'll, we'll bring people on to talk about their own personal experiences. Um, I would like got to have quite someone a few on. Booked. We're still looking for someone for Toy Story, so if you... You want to come on for that? Like, give us a ring. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I did forget to say explicitly, we will be covering, of course, the movies. We will be covering, of course, the short films. Uh, we will not be covering stuff that's made by Disney that uses Pixar properties. So, for example, that Buzz Lightyear TV show from when you were a kid. I really liked it as a kid. We're not going to bother spending a lot of time with it. We'll be covering, though, something that I will call, and we'll, we'll get more into this when we do our first one, Detours which is when we will cover something that a director who either will eventually show up at Pixar or who has done a movie at Pixar, what their work has done somewhere else. And those will follow more of that thing where I've said, where it's like, I do believe there is an auteurship at Pixar, where even if they go to another studio or if they come in from another studio, you can see their work. And really, honestly, the only things I can think of off the top of my head that we are explicitly skipping are the Buzz Lightyear TV show and that new Monsters, Inc. show that is also just made by Disney. It's not made by Pixar. Because the thing is, mm. Pixar has made Disney Plus shows, so it's like, we'll cover those. Like, the Forky show, we'll cover it. The, Good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I like the Forky <laughs> show, spoiler alert. Uh, but the other stuff, uh, no. So For this special episode, we are going to do our little intro, and we're also going to cover the very first Pixar short, The Adventures of Andre and Wally B, which was a test film. 1984. So for those of you who don't know, yeah. it's on YouTube, it's on Disney+, Plus. it is about, like, a minute and 30 seconds, there's this little clown figure sleeping in the woods, he meets a bee, the bee once he bee comes up to him and freaks him out, he runs away, and then the bee stings him, and that is the entire short. It's really interesting, the assumptions about some aesthetics that Pixar keeps 
through the rest of its history. Like, this is going to be in a 3D space with 3D cameras and with these um, characters that are, you know, made out of these generated shapes in this 3D space. Like, that, that for me is what Pixar animation is and apparently has always been, is it is this 3D world, which is very much like the 2D worlds of Disney animation, but now you can move around in it. Um, and yet, Andre and Wally B seems kind of designed to show that you can make 3D CGI characters in a 2D space. Like, there's not a lot of fancy camera movement, except for the opening where you get a little parallax of the trees to show depth, which is an ancient thing. But it's it's just, it's kind of like a 2D animation made with three-dimensional CG shapes, which I, I thought was really interesting. Well, I think, though, it's important to say with this is that it is the first, like... It's not like they're trying to prove you can tell a story with this. Like, it's not even like anything beyond that to me. It's like, this is the first time we're using a fully CGI thing to create a short film that has a joke that might make people chuckle. You know, like it is that is mm -hmm. the basis level of what it's trying to do. Uh, and I think that to me, the cartoony aspects of it. There is a certain magic to it that it is the first thing made like this. And it is so unabashedly, like, the the cartoons stretch a bit. And that's something that they give up. Like, I don't think you see really in computer animation nowadays. Like, so in 1995, you know, computer animation really hits the biggest scene with Toy Story. You don't really get that squatch and stretch in CGI then again until 2009 with Private Chance Meatballs, at least in terms of mainstream U.S. animation. So I think it's interesting that this has that, and then of course they ran away from it, probably because it does look a bit uncanny, uh, and it would probably be weird to see like you know like Woody squatch and stretch, right? That'd be bizarre, or like the bugs yeah. in a Bug's Life, that'd be weird. But here it's like, oh, they're cartoon characters, and we want to prove you can do a genuine cartoon with this animation, uh, mm -hmm. and I think it works personally. And of course, at Pixar, most of their people are 2D animators who came in and started to work on this thing. Like, in terms of the animation department. They're like, let's try to make this animation. Because mm -hmm. they don't want it to just be another visual effects program. You know, it is an, it's designed to be animation. And it's designed to mm -hmm. make a new animation. Like, this is labeled Lucasfilm Gra Computer Graphics Project. This isn't Pixar officially, even though it is the thing that is the immediate predecessor to Pixar. I, mean, I think like, Andre and Wally B are kind of cool. I think I like their designs. I think they're very smart designs for what like their roles are in the film. You know, they do mm -hmm. look cartoony. They clearly express emotion. And like, there are like a minor chuckle in it, you know? It reminds me of something that we would like make in film school. If, where it's like, it seem, it's a short film, but it's not written like a short film. It's actually written more like a scene from a longer film. Mm. Like, it doesn't exactly have a self-contained nature to it. It doesn't really have a button. It's more like an event as part of something larger. A good short film to compare it to for Pixar, which is a much better short film, is Presto. I don't know if you remember that one. That's the one with the bunny and the magician. Yeah, uh, yeah. 
And the key difference between the two of them is, and I also am thinking of Wile E. Coyote and Roadrunner, right? Because that's kind of what this mm-hmm. is. This is like a gag in that. Uh, yeah. Those, both Presto and the Wile E. Coyote shorts, they will do a gag like this. You'll, well, in Wile E. Coyote, you'll fade to black and then you'll get another gag, you know? And then eventually mm-hmm. after seven minutes, it just ends. And in Presto, this is like something that would happen with the Bunny and the Magician very early on, but then... At the end, when, like, he throws the hat, it'd be like, oh, now Andre has the upper hand. So let's see how mm-hmm. Wally B gets his revenge. And it would keep going on for about five or six minutes. But in this case, it is really just one isolated event. It's a gag mm-hmm. compared to a whole short. But again, mm-hmm. it is designed to be a test to show that you can make animation. Like, it's not just computer stuff. Yeah, it's kind of hard to talk about because it's not, like... Eventually, we'll get computer scientists on here and maybe an academic or two. And to be honest, I think we can move on to our commentary of Andre yeah. Adventures of Andre and Wally B. So I'm going to watch it on Disney+. Plus. You're going to watch it on YouTube, which... Yes. Uh, might I point out that the YouTube version uh, has a bizarre aspect ratio that I really didn't notice in the animation, which is kind of funny to me in and of itself, that it's got a wonky aspect ratio of like, oh, it was just animated that way. So what we'll do is I'll do a countdown three, two, one. We'll both press play, and then we'll we'll talk through pretty much the whole thing. Yeah, and if you really want the full experience, I recommend that you do this at home with your own Disney Plus. Yes. Sort of three, two, one, play. Ah, the Lucasfilm computer graphic. That's such a nice little music. I like. Yeah, I like. What? I like this music more than what's playing right now, which is (laughs) I think like purposely naive flute music but it, it's just hilariously like low budget i like the uh i like the lens flare on the sun it's a little uh little nice look at that detail in the shoes yeah. that's uh, what i want someone in here to talk about is like how complicated all of the particle effects are in the light yeah and i mean i, I know a bit about this from like doing editing and stuff but it's this is this is stuff that they're bragging about with Avatar now. Is how they're like, see how the bee has the shadow. He's and... so scared though. Look at him. It's like that's yeah. what I mean. Like the, the facial animation teeth. is really good. Yeah, he does. But like, and I yeah. like that little bobblehead. It's really cool. And I like how also <laughs> they don't bother to attach the legs of uh, Wally to him. Oh yeah. And then of course he's voiced by like Donald Duck for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> oh. He's got like Jewish script on his fez. <laughs> Really? I didn't notice it. I, I mean, I, mean, I guess it's I'll a little see blurred out, it but camera. it's kind of like, it looks like those little square shapes. Oh, and there's the lens flare again. I like Some also, again. Uh, and he does like the little loop around the lens flare. It's pretty fun. Oh. There's yeah. the fez. Right. And then it and, ended uh, for you. Yeah, I hope you Force enjoyed. rendering. Character animation. 3D animation. 3D rendering. Concept uh, direction. Wow, directions they lost. Models. Texturing, matting, and computer logistics. Ben Burke did the sound design. Input laser scanning. They're thanking someone for the computer. And MIT. Who? Who is? <laughs> I don't see. I don't see credits on mine. Who was responsible for the flute music? Oh, I'll have to scroll back and find it. 
which is okay. All right, everyone, scroll back with Danny. Well, you to don't need to, you don't need to scroll back. Music. We're gonna do another commentary track of it. <laughs> we're just gonna watch it for ten minutes and keep wait, looping. Wait, wait, no, we're not. We're, we're not gonna do it. I'm just, I'm just looking for the music. The other thing about this is, is I it's don't kind see of the music fun. listed. <laughs> Let's see if uh, no one wants credit. Anyone wants to come on this podcast who worked on this. If you Please. are the musician who played the flute for the adventures of Andre and Wally B, we want to talk to you. Next time, we're going to be talking about the Pixar shorts. We're doing two weeks of unofficial Pixar shorts. These are the films. They're like 30-second things. So the first one we'll be covering mm -hmm. is what I'm labeling the tech demos. I believe we have about four of them. We might have five. Do you know where people can find these if they I believe want to... most of these can be found on YouTube. We might be watching uh, Blown in the Wind, Beach Chair. I love Beach Chair, by the way. I get very excited for Beach Chair. Flags and Waves volume visualization with the Pixar image computer and pencil test. Thank you yes. for coming on this journey with us. Woo. Yes. Thank you. And uh, see everyone next time. Yeah. Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar podcast is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. I do the editing, and our artwork is done by Sarah Knopf. Yeah, and you can find us at Facebook, at Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar Journey. You can find us on Twitter, at Pixar Journey, and on Instagram, at Looking for the Ocean Pod. You can also email us at Looking for the Ocean Pixar at gmail.com. If you want to know what I'm up to, everything is available on my website, markyoungperformer.com. You can listen to my other two podcasts, Why is with Ty and Dan and The Snub Club, wherever you can find your podcasts. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Blankment for all my takes on all of the movies. We'll see you next time. See you next time.